the ideas, the leaders, the lives that are shaping Denmark and the world. From Blocks Hub in Copenhagen, Denmark, this is Global Denmark. When companies go looking for a new CEO, chances are pretty good they'll end up on the phone with Morten Winther. Morten is one of Denmark's top headhunters and a managing partner at Boyden. His accolades are too many to mention, but he is fluent in four languages, a Hinley MBA, and recently was even appointed an honorary consul of Luxembourg. In this episode, we talk with Morton about what exactly it is headhunters do, what makes a good leader, and of course, his lessons to and from Denmark. I'm Brian Woodward, your host for this episode, and I started by asking Morton why the world of headhunting seems to be so shrouded in secrecy. Um, I think that is sort of the old understanding of our industry. Um, in Boyden, Denmark, we have taken a bit of a different approach. Um, and and when we two years ago got the opportunity to take on the uh, the global Boyden brand in Denmark, um, we actually made a charter saying we are going to challenge the perception of the industry by being open and being more transparent in what we do. And we do that by every single time we, we fill a senior management position, we would post it on LinkedIn saying, uh, Jim Peterson, we congratulate him as a new CFO in, in company XYZ. And uh, I must say that has given us quite a few comments, positive comments of being transparent and being open. So let's lift the curtain a little bit and say, what do headhunters do? Hmm. What do you do? The role of an executive search consultant, which is another way of pronouncing our, our role, is actually our ability to go in and understand a strategic direction of a company and perhaps also challenge the strategic direction of a company and the leadership. Um, but, but really on a, on a very, very deep level, uh, understand the metrics of what we are trying to do in this company. Where do you find people? It's a very fine, uh, it's a fine-tuned mechanism that we have behind the scenes in what we do. I mean, uh, certainly uh, we work very, very research-based. So when we get an assignment from a company, um, we would we would always be sitting in front of the company together with our very exper- experienced research team. Our researchers has. You know, they have a minimum of 15 year, years of experience in, 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 in finding the right leadership competences across industries, across geographies. Um, and they do that with a very high degree of precision, I must say. So it is... What are we talking about? LinkedIn? Are we talking about well, phone calls or no, we're ta- articles? We're, or we're, ta- we're talking about... Uh, uh, we in Boyden work on a global database. So the candidates are located typically in our global database, but we always, it's like building a great dish at a Michelin restaurant. You always start from the core components every single time. We start in a very structured way every single time. Understanding the strategy, 
defining the search strategy, meaning what companies have been on a certain journey before where there's been incremental growth and where there's been international expansion and where there's been barriers that should have been overcome in terms of technology, in terms of IP and other areas. And then we simply, you know, we look at parallel worlds. So we would look at candidates who have been leading a journey like that before, but in another setting, perhaps even in another industry. And then we would structurally go through databases that we have and that are GDPR. Uh, that's another uh, beast we have to uh, uh, balance. We would, we would work on the basis of, uh, of all the data that we have built up over the years, and that's a significant uh, amount of data. We would, of course, uh, be balancing our own database with all the new inputs of what's going on on the social media front. LinkedIn is a, is a, is a tool. It's not a tool we rely fully on, for sure. Uh, and then the final thing would be relying on industry sources. Industry sources are key to us. It is basically uh, our friends out in the industry whom we know from previous assignments five, ten years ago, and we've always stayed in close touch with them. You can always call a friend. And when we call, people typically would like to have a good dialogue and stay on good terms with us because we never know when we will be calling them on a, on a new board position and they might want to certainly position themselves to that. So people only have the interest in staying in good terms and relations with us, and therefore we have access to a tremendous amount of people out there. Does it pay to, uh, for a person to contact a headhunter? I always say that um, for people who are contacting us, uh, who, who, uh, who needs to understand what sort of level of assignments we do, for them it is sure relevant to, to contact us. Um, if I was to drink coffee with all the people that contact me every single week, I think I would be hospitalized uh, with an overload of caffeine because uh, that would simply not be possible. Uh, we are doing what we can to stay updated on uh, who are out there and, and, and what is relevant. But we are also, um, I would say, nine out of ten. Uh, we are simply saying we'll, we, will, we will upload you in the database and then we would uh, get back to you when we have the proper assignment. Uh, that's basically a rule of thumb of how we, how we structure ourselves. What is the f- most common question people ask you or how to how you know what's the first thing people say to you when they contact you um yeah that's a that's an interesting question uh there there are actually i'm surprised uh, you know how many different approaches there are uh, and how much creativity there is in, in in trying to get our attention um i think uh, the, the first primary approach is that people would always refer to knowing someone that has been in dialogue with us and that has had a good experience with us. That's clear. That, and we're always uh, happy to hear that people have had a good experience with us and they consider us uh, one of the, the top-tier uh, search firms. And, uh, and, 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 and we always listen to people who, uh, who, who come in that way, for, for sure. Um, so that's the do's. The don'ts would be uh, the pushy candidate who are, no matter what, trying to get our attention, who are trying to approach either me and at the same time my colleagues. And, and that way we get uh, perhaps uh, four or five entries into our system from that very same candidate. 
that's the thing you shouldn't do um, as a candidate. So it doesn't sound like you're going so far as to say, don't find us, we'll find you. Um, in fact, I actually would go there <laughs> because we, we are also... Uh, so what we do is search. We don't do selection, um, if, if you understand the terminology. So selection would be putting a job ad somewhere on a website. Um, we don't believe in that approach. We, uh, we believe in us being a lot more precise in identifying the right talent, the right person, by having a structured approach to research. So this also means that uh, the person who is having a successful journey in the company where the person is today is a person that's of interest to us. I'd imagine you have some good stories and maybe one of the best ways to open up is to kind of tell some of those stories. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's imagine that we're back in that bar that we started in. Yeah, right? exactly. And uh, now I've bought you a drink, a cup of coffee or whatever. Yeah. Maybe with a little bit of something, something in it. A bit of Jack Daniels. Maybe sporting, a little bit yeah. of bourbon in it. Yeah. Um, tell me a good story. Yeah, well, we might, be, we might get too bored about pandemic stories, but I have one that uh, certainly, in my opinion, uh, is, is a good story. Um, we were approached uh, on mid-March after the breakout uh, by a global client uh, that uh, is a client of Boyden. Uh, it's actually a client in our Swiss office and uh, in Zurich. And the client is a global uh, player in, uh, in the sub-supply of key components to wind turbine blades. A uh, publicly traded Swiss company, and, um, and they had decided that they needed a new CEO. And um, I get a call from my colleague in, in Zurich saying, Morten, I'm aware that you are one of the one of the consultants in Boyden that has done the most in, in C-suite searches uh, within the wind turbine industry. And uh, you have a bit of industry, like you have an industry background yourself, which I have. And, and then we started discussing this. Uh, I mean, it was in the midst of pandemic. So we, we physical meetings with the client in Zurich would have been what I would have normally have done. I would have met with the chairman and the board together with my colleague, and we would have had a discussion on, on this. But anyway, we, we sat on our Zoom meeting, and, um, and then we made an impression so strong that they decided to choose us from, in comparison to one of the other global top-tier firms. And it meant that we uh, worked the mandate from the 25th of March until we signed the candidate on my summer vacation, where I was hiking a mountain in Norway on the 9th of July, he signed the contract. And we had done, in the midst of the pandemic, a global search. We had looked at more than 200 companies. We had looked at, we had looked at more than 200 candidates in 110 companies across the globe. And I had interviews more than <clears throat> 35 candidates, virtual uh, and physical. Um, and only on the 17th of June, I was able to sit in front of the chairman and the nomination committee in Zurich and thereby being physical present. So trust had to be built for a key position in a publicly traded company online. 
And that was, I think, one of the most intense uh, search projects I have ever done um, uh, because we weren't able to meet physically with people. Uh, but I can only say that uh, I think 11 weeks later, uh, 12 weeks later, we, uh, we signed the, the candidate, which was a tremendous success. And he just started two days ago. Yeah, great. And so it's you, looking really well. So you guys, like everybody, are having to learn how to work in new ways. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we already were there uh, working digitally, but uh, but now we are. Uh, and, and last week we, we did an assignment in China, uh, which is also a very interesting uh, story. Uh, this candidate was hired by the Danish company. This was also in the wind industry. Uh, he was hired. It's a Chinese local hire out in China, um, and and they actually signed him without having met him physically. So this would have been something you wouldn't have been thinking of just half a year ago or a year ago um, that this could have been done like that. But that's actually being being done right now. And yeah, right, great. Well, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we'll talk about uh, one of my favorite topics, and I know one of yours, and that's internationalization and international leadership. Mm. Studying for an executive MBA at Henley Business School in Denmark is an intense and rewarding experience. If you want to achieve the best possible outcomes in business and in life, Henley can give you the skills and knowledge you need through the Henley MBA. For more information, visit henley.dk. What is good leadership? Well, the definition of good leadership is basically involving people in a wanted direction, but giving people also the uh, ability to uh, influence the direction and thereby uh, perhaps even giving an augmented picture of uh, what the leader himself uh, could see as a, as a desired future. Is that culturally determined? If you look at the, 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 the theory behind cultural leadership, uh, indeed, the answer would be yes. Um, culture plays a key role in how you define uh, good leadership, I think. Uh, if you look at how uh, culture is defining leadership in, 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 in the southern hemisphere or in the southern part of Europe, uh, clearly the, uh, we see a clear difference in, in terms of what we what we see in the Nordics, uh, where if we if we go by the traditional theories, we are perhaps more low in power distance here, where where the power distance in the southern part of Europe is is traditionally higher, um, and therefore more respect for authorities than we have in the northern part of uh, the globe. Uh, and again, that's theory, but in reality, I think, uh, luckily, uh, I see a, a transition towards more value-based leadership and, and as a more global phenomenon, um, eliminating perhaps some of the geographical barriers because people are being educated uh, all across geographies right now, being influenced more than they have been in the past. And I think overall opening up our globe, opening up our educational systems are helping uh, to eliminate some of the more classical, historical uh, approaches to, uh, to, to leadership. 
value-based leadership is an interesting concept because I think there's a little bit of a sense that that's kind of a Nordic ideal. Mm -hmm. When outside CEOs come to Denmark, how many of them make it here? Um, That's that's also a very good question. and maybe not just CEOs, but I'm talking C-suite people, right? Yeah. How many how many leaders that you recruit to to, to come to Denmark, make it, like um, it, do 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 good here, do good succeed, here, yeah. thrive. Yeah. 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 It, before I answer that question, if I may just take it a bit backwards, the challenge of recruiting international profiles to Denmark, um, there are multiple issues with that. It all depends on where you are in your life. Um, there is a saying, happy wife, happy life, uh, and that also goes for C-suite people. Um, and there are certain conditions that need to be in place. Uh, if you are a leader in your 40s, and uh, if you are, then you typically also have school-seeking children, uh, and your wife typically also has a career, um, and, and, and all of those things, has to, they have to be balanced before you, you are a success. Uh, being located here and that of course goes for anywhere in the world but in our in our case being a small country uh, of 5.5 million people um, with basically two key centers which would be Copenhagen and Aarhus and then you may also say that uh, Lego in Bilund and, 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 and certain other geographies are also drawing certain things in their direction international school and whatnot but 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 I think the fundamentals of having the right structure in place, I can only underline that that is so critical and so important uh, in order to have a family life here that uh, that works for for the overall family and thereby for the the, the, the leader who uh, is being attracted to. Is that more important than the specifics of the business or the industry or the culture of the workplace? It's it goes hands in ha- hand in hand. Uh, if a person is being recruited to Ala, Vestas, Grundfos, Lego, some of the big Danfoss, some of the big companies here in Denmark, you know, the process has been so so thorough that the uh, that the challenge and the objectives and the metrics that this candidate is being measured on and being held up against, those things are a given. They are at a very interesting level. Otherwise, you're not going 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 to go through the pain and agony of bringing someone from the outside to Denmark. Uh, so that's a given, in my opinion. Um, but the fundamentals, uh, they have to be balanced as well. And I'm really happy to see that uh, companies, uh, the ones I'm talking about here, um, they have uh, people uh, in place that are helping out in terms of getting the housing right, getting people into the Danish tax system, getting schooling right and everything else. Uh, so, so I think there is a lot more professional approach to that. And uh, I'm just pleased with the fact that this brings diversity into uh, leadership by having more global leaders uh, take a part, take an active part in, in growing our companies that are all having uh, a, a substantial global potential. Is that infrastructure you talk about, schools, um, activities for wives or husbands, partners that come come along. Is that infrastructure uh, good enough in Denmark today? I think we are we are we are improving. I think there is more 
to be done. Um, I think in, 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 in Copenhagen, in Aarhus, certainly also in, in Bilund, I am aware that the international school is, is, is at a fairly good level. And I think even kindergarten is also uh, being, being done in a, in a good way. Um, I am perhaps a little bit more worried about, uh, you know, what, what do we do in order to take care of the spouse, uh, in order to secure that the social life of the uh, expat is being handled in a proper way. Um, I've lived five years in Canada and we moved there. My wife, I speak French, but my wife didn't speak a work of French in the French-Canadian uh, Quebec uh, province where we moved. And I must say that was tough. Uh, it was tough because, uh, again, uh, people didn't naturally open up. Uh, certainly they did to me because of my job and, and, and I was involved in, in all kinds of things. But, but that was also tough for us. And, and I think it is a universal uh, thing that uh, hand, handling the social scene of the family is very important. And again, I'm back to the global companies here in Denmark. I'm aware that they are doing quite a bit in that, uh, on that agenda. And, uh, and I'm happy for that. But I think when... I think there can more can be done, and, and more can also be done in, in, in our society of, uh, of inviting global citizens into our communities and, and simply opening up and involving people. We can all learn from people from elsewhere, and, and, and this is something we are enriching our society with if we do it right. So the infrastructure is important, but um, let's get back to uh, talking a little bit about um, leadership. Yep. And we talked, uh, you mentioned earlier situational leadership. What I want to ask you now is leadership, I would talk about is leadership in the age of Corona, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Has this changed uh, what companies are looking for? Has it changed the kind of leaders you're looking for? And what are the qualities that this new post-corona age will require? I, my, 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 my answer to that question would be that um, when we had the financial crisis uh, years ago, um, I think that certain comparison can be, um, can be made to, to that era or to that period. So there was a high need for people who had a balance between uh, accelerating growth but also uh, knowing where you could where the clutch was and where the brake was um, in, in in comparison to corona covid uh, i think that the the major change is that the the reliability that we have had on the supply chains globally uh, which we took for given uh, are not there. We are simply having to adjust the approach that we uh, roll out for our entire value chain nowadays. Having a low-cost scenario in China might end up being a very costly scenario for you due to increased container freight or maybe even uh, factories being shut uh, down due to COVID uh, breakouts or environmental issues. So all of those issues has to be taken into consideration in the leadership right now based on the COVID scenarios. So I think adaptability and agility are key words in, in what we have seen come out of the COVID-19 situation. Uh, and I think both issues are here to stay. 
in the in, in us judging what good leadership looks like in the future. What about what you're talking about? There is very much based on kind of logistics, and is based on actually keeping the company going. But what about the human um, aspect of it? And what I'm talking about here is uncertainty, anxiety amongst employees. Um, When we all sit at home and have to Skype or Zoom in or whatever, um, how do we keep from losing each other, losing touch with each other? And how do we create culture? And how do we do all those things that really make companies great? Yeah, that's the other approach of the COVID. a client, a key client of mine, uh, have created a, a, a new uh, job title, uh, and that's a, a chief COVID officer. So you would think that would be a, a chief commercial officer, CCO, but this is a C, C for chief, C for COVID, and officer for officer. And and what this person uh, basically does in this company is to create the um, the social connectivity in the company and in a digitalized world. So it would be uh, the, the Friday bar, it would be uh, you know Friday games where the chief COVID officer would be arranging a, an hour game uh, play where you would sit with all your colleagues uh, online. And, and, I, and I checked with the CEO uh, the other day and said it is very successful and we are actually seeing that our approach by actually making sure that the uh, the social uh, connectivity amongst people who are now being challenged uh, going on month 10 uh, is something that the the, the leader uh, certainly needs to be aware of so i think i think you know how do you keep spirits high how do you keep people um, motivated uh, in a digital scenario is, is, is a really a key challenge for every single leader these days. Um, and this was just an example of uh, what had been done in, in, in one company, which I think is a very creative angle. And I think it is a, something that could be mirrored in other companies for sure, if it's not being done already. Is COVID um, teaching us once again that the job of leadership is essentially two things, innovation and communication? Yeah, I think I think communication is 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 perhaps more important than ever. Um, as a leader, you need to step up in the front and 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 make sure that we are like we're all in the same boat and we're not drifting apart. And uh, and and we, as a leader, you don't know how your team members are reacting when they are being uh, exposed to this on a. On again on a month tenth basis, you know the reactions might be dynamics will be different. Uh, people are sitting at home uh, with uh, homeschooling, and the wife is even there. And I think you've even seen that uh, the degree of divorces are higher statistically in Denmark than they have been uh, previously due to the uh, the COVID nineteen situation. So all of these dynamics you need to take into consideration leading your team. Uh, you know you need to sit on the other side of the screen and understand what is it your team members are, how is it they're being impacted by this and understanding that. And that's a, that's, it's a bit of a challenge because you have to run your business as well, but you have to actually stay very, very close to the emotional side of, of, of the team members uh, during the COVID period here. 
it's a it's a it's a tough it's a tough tough even tougher time for leadership absolutely i think it's become even more multi-dimensional than it has been before uh, it has always been multi-dimensional but but it there's been a through more unknown thrown into the equation uh, with the COVID. all right we're going to take our final break here here from a sponsor and we'll be right back are you getting the most out of your time in denmark Pick up the printed copy of the English-language newspaper Copenhagen Post today to access relevant news and event information guaranteed to enhance your working and family life. So this part's all about personal reflection, uh, Morton. Morton, is, is Denmark really the happiest country in the world? Hmm. I think in reality, yes, we are. Uh, I look at what's going on in the U.S. right now because I have a lot of pre-history in the U.S. or in North America in general. And 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 when I look at what's going on as of today, uh, where the Senate has been uh, taking over by, uh, uh, I would say, criminals, basically. Uh, this would never happen in a country like what we have here. You know, there is so much trust in our structure and in our government, and and that we are that we are we are at a good place. Uh, and I think that is that is a hygiene factor in 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 happiness that that you understand the basic beliefs in in the society that is supporting everything. That we have in terms of infrastructure here, and and I think that that hygiene factor, we can certainly take that one off and say, this would never happen in Denmark. This would not happen in our in our society. So I think that fundamental is there. Um, free education is another approach. You know, uh, we don't have to have a, a, a college savings fund, which you have to do in the U- you have to have in the U.S. as well in order to make sure your your kids gets gets a decent education. Um, really, in most parts of the world. Yeah, in most parts of the world. Uh, here, you can go all the way through to a master degree uh, free of charge. Um, and, and, and I think these are privileges that we are enjoying and we should respect. Um, on the other hand, it also means that uh, I think we, we, we need to demand, we can demand quite a bit of people because we have that framework and, and everybody has to do what they can to um, provide uh, efforts into making sure we have a system like we have. And and I think that community feeling is is something that uh, we can always discuss more in details of do 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 everybody provide whatever they can in order to to create the society that we need. Um, I think we're, we're 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 doing quite well. I don't think we're all the way there, but uh, the fundamentals of being happy are some of the basics that I'm disclosing here that that I think are in place. Is that only possible in a country that's as ethnically and religiously and economically as homogeneous as Denmark is? Mm, I have seen also the Canadian model. um, And I was actually involved uh, in the process of 
I had I had the Danish Ministry of uh, Minister of uh, Social Affairs visiting me in Canada, uh, and and at that point in time she went and saw how uh, Canada invited uh, landed immigrants into the ceremony of receiving their Canadian citizenship, and this was this was done in a ceremony where a hand you you could do a handshake back then. But, but it was actually handed over and there was a handshake and there was basically, a, I would say, perhaps a mental contract made by Canada to the individual, say, we welcome you and we, uh, we really like the background that you have and we'd love to see you uh, help our society to, to evolve further. And I like that approach and, and this was brought back to Denmark and I think it is also part of how we do things today. Um, so... I don't think it, it needs to be, uh, I think diversity is, is, is something that we need to embrace further, but we need to make sure that we do it the right way, and, and that is uh, putting certain requirements to what we can expect from people, because people step into a country that uh, per se is one of the happiest people in the world. But we, we, we can certainly also expect that you will provide uh, your part to maintain our societal model where it is. You've seen a lot of people come into Denmark and go out of Denmark, and you work a lot with internationalization. If you had a top three points that you would say to people who are coming to Denmark for the first time to work, to set up a family, set up a life, start a career here, um, what would your advice to them be? Um, Buy a rain jacket, pay your taxes, and be happy. <laughs> no, joke aside. Um, I think I think it is it is important that uh, be open. So, meaning engage if you can in in in, in whatever local local scene you step into and uh, and and engage yourself. It could be in in terms of the the school or the um, close society around so engage in that and and then perhaps also uh, try to leverage your diversity um, into whatever environment you can di- you can leverage that uh, whether you are a business person uh, there would certainly be um, business groups uh, where you could uh, pursue uh, membership or involvement um, I think that would be one appro- certainly one approach that that I could love. I would love to see more of that. It could be even the VL Society here in Denmark, where we have the VL groups. I'm a member of one, and I really enjoy that. Uh, but why couldn't we have expats come into the VL system and uh, and thereby make new friends and build new relations? Uh, that would only suit the VL system, in my opinion. Yeah. What can the world learn from Denmark? I think you can you can look at our society, our model of society, and 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 take the best part of it and and make it even uh, even better. Um, respect for the individual, I think, is is also something that uh, that I see as a as a as a cornerstone in, in in our society. I mean, the individual has all kinds of opportunities here. Um, whether you are well educated, whether you are not educated, uh, the the individual has all the abilities to to do to do what is uh, what is the right thing. 
Um, I think that that would be sort of my. Uh, what about leadership wise? <sighs> well, we're back to the value based value-based leadership and again I, I wouldn't claim that this is a, a Danish or a Nordic approach luckily I see that being more global trend right now uh, and, 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 and I think using using the um, using the emotional intelligence side and that is not a Danish aspect either but but uh, I think I think if if we look at the way we are being brought up here in Denmark and 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 in a very homogeneous society, but I think what has been uh, a strong asset in 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 at least the generation that I'm uh, from is that uh, the values have always been a cornerstone in what we do, and it should always be your your true north or your compass basically in in guiding you, uh, whether it's in leadership, whether it's in family life or not uh, so I think that would be certainly also a key takeaway and then of course what can the world teach Denmark what mm. can Denmark learn from out in the world there are things that definitely can be done better here too right yeah well had you asked me 15 years ago when I moved back from Canada uh, I would I would clearly say uh, have have higher ambitions lift up the ceiling a bit and and elevate uh, the ambitions that would be what i thought then that the world could learn denmark i think a lot of things has has happened over the past 15 years i think we actually have stepped up and i think the actually the the law of jante so to say i never hear that mentioned anymore basically um but the law of jante was playing a key role back then um uh, so i think it is raising the ambition, the level of ambition, raising the uh, global ambitions for Danish companies and for Danish leadership. And I think we, we, we can do more of that, but we are well under our way. But we uh, think big, think big. Hey, we have always been a trades nation without raw materials. And uh, if you look at uh, what has been created in a company like Novo Nordisk, Investas, in Lego, in Grundfos, in Danfoss, we need more companies like that uh, that can actually be held on Danish hands and that can grow up through the uh, various uh, growth phases. Uh, why do companies always have to be uh, sold off to uh, international investors? Uh, why couldn't they be held on Danish companies and become the next Lego or the next Grundfos? I, I'm puzzling with a bit with that. And I think it is uh, it is good that we get a lot of investors into Denmark who who, who sees the uh, the level of uh, leadership and the level of technology that we have here in the country. But in general, I I would really love to see that we uh, we do more on Danish hands and we grow things up to uh, to being the next Grundfos or the next uh, Danfoss, so to say. We always end by asking for three book recommendations. Uh, and I can see you brought three of them. Uh, can you tell us what your three three books you would recommend to listeners are and why? Yeah. Um, well, if I am to mention the first one, which is a bit uh, like uh, in continuation of my of your last question, and that is the book "Good to Great" by Jim Collins. I I've read that multiple times, and uh, it is basically looking at the best practices of what 
what is the difference between uh, good companies and great companies and what is it great companies uh, do that make them great and i think it is a great leadership manual for for great leaders uh, to read that the other one is true north uh, by bill george uh, i've also read that in 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 combination with my mba studies and i must say really really strong focus on emotional intelligence um in leadership uh, also a great read. And the final one is by Goldman, and it's called uh, Primal Leadership. And that is basically looking at emotional intelligence and taking it into leadership in a more broader sense. And and I, perhaps one of the best reads I've ever had. So those three I would uh, clearly recommend. Great. Morten, that's uh, a lot about headhunters, a lot about international leadership, and uh, a little bit about Denmark. But thank you very much, Brian. Thanks for being here. Yeah, we'll see you soon. Thanks. Thank you.